Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. William Damon is with us today. He is director of the Stanford Center on Adolescence and a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He is the author of many things, including The Path to Purpose, and also a new book, A Round of Golf with My Father, The New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present. That is our topic today. Welcome, Professor Damon. Thank you, Mark. Delighted to be with you. All right. Uh, we'll jump right into the book. You open with a phone call from your daughter. When was that, and what did she say? It was about 10 years ago, and it was just around the time I was turning 60. And uh, she started with the question, Dad, I don't know if I should be telling you this. Should I be? <laughs> Which already got my attention. Yeah. Uh, it turned out that she had been going online. She was off in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, she's a young economist and does some teaching and had not been able to sleep that night. She was having jet lag and she got interested in the grandfather that she never met, who was my father, who was also a person I never met. He disappeared at my birth and was over in Germany uh, fighting in World War II. And the only thing I knew about him when I was young was that he was, quote, missing in World War II. That's what my mom always told me. Later in life, as I became a young adult, I heard differently that he actually uh, wasn't missing, that he still survived. He was not killed in action the way I thought when I was a child. But at that point, it was pretty clear that he had just abandoned him my mother and me stayed over in Germany and went off to whatever fate he, he had. And I didn't want to hear anything else about him. I just assumed he was a no account, no good scoundrel who was irresponsible and who knows what kind of a life he had or didn't have. As a young man, I did not want to identify with this guy. So I let most of my life pass without following up with any further clues or information that could have led me to find out what had happened, who the guy was. My daughter, though, got interested. And well, I, I was going to ask, was there, uh, was there anything in particular that prompted her, or was it just sort of a generalized curiosity? I think it was a generalized curiosity. Uh, as I said, she was having jet lag, and... Uh, who knows what was going on in her mind, but I don't think there was anything that prompted her to do that, any special event or anything about me or him or anything. I think it was, you know, a lot of people, she, she was a young adult at the time, 
in her maybe early 30s or late 20s. And a lot of young people are getting interested in their ancestry. That's part of our current zeitgeist. So I think it was more that. Uh, but as soon as she went online, which I had never done, a world of fascinating information popped up because my father had gone on to a career with the United States Information Agency. He was part of the Foreign Service, and it turned out he had an amazingly distinguished career. He was dead at the time my daughter did her discovery, mm -hmm. but a, a lots of information about him popped up with a simple search about Philip Damon. Uh, and um, that was what opened my mind to getting interested in finding out about this guy. Because uh, two things. One thing was at that time in my life, uh, in my early 60s, I was able to handle it. I was stable. I knew who I was. I wasn't worried about identifying with somebody that uh, would be a negative role model. So I was open-minded myself. And what she found was truly amazing. And so I began a kind of a five-year discovery search myself, where I, first of all, discovered his relatives, uh, people that were still alive, his younger sister, for example, who was my aunt, who I actually became very close with. Hmm. Uh, I visited her, visited her, I interviewed her. I discovered his two daughters, who are my half-sisters, and we've become a family. I've discovered my two cousins, my aunt's uh, sons, and they've become close with me. So there were lots of things that uh, I found out about that that enhanced my current family life. I grew up as an only child with a single mom who never remarried. But just as interesting, I found out about my father's life and including some things in his early life that ended up influencing me a lot in my early development without me knowing about it. Uh, for example, he went to the same school I went to. When I, I, when I came that. across that, I, w I was astonished to read that, yeah. <laughs> that fact. I know. I imagine you were too. I was, especially because he was young when uh, uh, when I was born, and so he wasn't that much older than me, maybe 20 years or so older than me. So some of the same teachers that wrote about his records uh, in the school records, I went back and dug up all the old archives, they, they taught me too, and they might have known, but nobody ever mentioned. I was encased in this kind of bubble of ignorance that everybody around me protected me from. And part of the theme of the book is that it's actually much more helpful to find out about the mysteries in your past and confront them, uh, including things that didn't go the way you wish they had gone, uh, including regrets that you've had or resentments that you've had, and confront them and, and find out about them, try to resolve them, because they don't go away on their own. And the point is to liberate yourself from your past, of course. You don't want to get hung up on it. But it's, it's much more liberating and forward-looking to actually know what happened, know how you got to be the person you are now, know what your parents were like, know what your relationships 
with them were like, or if you didn't have one, what happened to the people you didn't get to know. Yeah. And that's how you that's how you really become equipped to move forward in a hopeful, purposeful way. And that's what the subtitle of the book is, The New Psychology yeah. of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present. And that's really the message of the book. The reason the book is called, the title of the book is called A Round of Golf with My Father is because that was a psychological exercise I did. I obviously never had a round of golf with him because I never met him and he was dead before I found out anything about him. But that was kind of symbolic for, and I'll tell you more about that as we talk, that round of golf was a symbolic way that I came to peace with some of the resentments and regrets that I had about growing up without a father to teach me anything in life. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned sort of the broader, the, the bigger picture here of uh, sort of a, a method of, of coming to terms with things, uh, maybe think about the center you run. You run a center for adolescents uh, there. Yep. Uh, how, well, let me ask two things. <laughs> what does the center do? And how often do you come across issues of fatherlessness among adolescents in, in your work? Sure. The center's um, work, I should say. Our center's work is focused on the concept of purpose, on especially how young people find purpose in life, which we believe is absolutely crucial in opening up their futures. Uh, if, you, if you have purpose, you're motivated, you think ahead, you're future-minded, you learn to be committed to things, you then develop skills very quickly because you're so motivated to do it. And it kind of deters all kinds of uh, self-absorption and all of the ills that come from that, uh, getting despairing and giving up and quitting and all of that. So we really believe that the purpose is an important capacity that young people develop, and it continues being important all through life, and it's never too late to develop it. And that's what the book is really about, is how you keep your purpose going and you find new purposes, even in the face of failures you've had, in the face of things that haven't gone right in your life, things that you regret. And uh, as for fatherlessness, especially these days, uh, there, there, there are lots of, there are lots of uh, conditions, uh, including, in, of course, in, in my life, it was a war, uh, World War II, that left a lot of young people fatherless. And at the very least, uh, they, uh, a lot of young people grew up without, without a dad at home for years. And these days, there are lots of conditions in the world that uh, lead to fathers not being around for young people. And so uh, we know from our research that this is not a, a catastrophe that can never be repaired, but it does, prevent, it does present some challenges in life that you need to step up and learn to overcome things and learn things for yourself and find role models, other role models in life. Uh, and there is a special, of course, quality to a father-son relationship that is important for young men growing up. So th this is part of, I think part of the book is about all of the all of the families that have mysteries that have have people who have disappeared who haven't been around for their children and 
finding out how to deal with that. And that is part of what the book's about. But the other part that I will say, uh, from the point of view of a young person that was abandoned, is learning how to forgive someone uh, and understanding why it was that they committed this act of irresponsibility where they went off to another life. And that's not easy to do. It was it was very hard for me to do. Uh, and again, to get back to the book's title and the meaning of that, uh, the book is called A Round of Golf with My Father. One of the things that my daughter found out about him online, it popped up right away, uh, in addition to him being in the Foreign Service and having a courageous military career and a lot of other things that he did that were admirable, she also found out that he was a great golfer. And that blew me away because I I love golf, but I am very far from a great golfer. And nobody ever taught me how to play the game. I never could afford lessons. I grew up, as I said, with a single mom who was not in very good financial condition. And I kind of had to teach myself the game. And so when I heard that my father was a great golfer, waves of resentment passed through me. That was the thing that stuck out about all the information my daughter, all the very uh, much more glamorous and romantic information she found out about his career, and he got to know the king and queen of Thailand, and lots of stuff that was actually more objectively amazing. But for me, what really got to me was that he was a great golfer. And I kept thinking, why couldn't the guy ever have come by even once to teach me how to play the game? So I had to deal with that, and uh, the story in the book about how I dealt with it was that as I did my research and began to meet some of his family members, I came up with an old golf bag of his that had been hanging in a family garage in Massachusetts for all those decades since he was young. And in that golf bag was a scorecard made out from the Pittsfield Country Club in Massachusetts, and it had his score in it. So I arranged, I was lucky I found a connection, uh, and they let me on the course, and I arranged to play a round of golf against that scorecard, and imagining he was there. And that was my round of golf with my father. And it was a very uh, redeeming experience for me. Uh, I could see how he played each hole, I could admire his skill, and it was symbolic, obviously. It was it was not like actually having him there. But it's kind of symbolic of everything else I did for my research in the book, finding out about his military career, finding out about his school life. And it was a way for me to actually figure out who the guy was, what he did in life. And strange as it may sound, it did give me a pathway to admiring him in some ways, respecting him, and even forgiving him uh, as I found out more about him and began to understand why it was he didn't come back. And I couldn't completely absolve him for abandoning us and hurting my mother very badly. But forgiveness is a, a, an amazing thing. Uh, it, 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 it's very healing for the person that does the forgiving. Uh, and I did get to that point finally, and that's, that's how the book ends, is how I managed to get my head around uh, forgiving this person that abandoned me and my mother at birth. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. 
Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Along the way in the story, you do step out into uh, more uh, mythological or, or even clinical uh, issues. Uh, you have a term in there, the life review, which sounds like a, a, a very simple, common sense term, but it actually has a little bit more of a, a technical meaning. What is, in, in, your, in this book, what is the life review? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I am a psychologist uh, and I have an interest in not just my own life, but how other people can do the kinds of things that I have found to be important. And as I said, one of the important things is keeping your purpose going and keeping optimistic and the sense that you have a future and the future can lead you to grow and learn and become even more the kind of person you want to be. And so the life review, which is a, a method that I introduce in the book, is a way to go about doing that by exploring the parts of your past that, first of all, the parts of your past that have given you difficulties and that you may feel resentments about, you may feel insecurities about, missed opportunities you've had, mistakes you've made, things that have happened to you that maybe other people have uh, have done to you that you're still angry about. And secondly, the things that you've done that are positive, uh, ways you've overcome those difficulties, accomplishments that you're proud of, and putting all that together in a systematic way to give you a vision, to give yourself a vision of how to move forward in life and how to guide your life in the direction that you have found to be meaningful and purposeful throughout the course of your life. That's what the life review is. And I wrote about it in the context of my own life and my own struggles with coming to terms with this guy that I never got to know, that uh, that abandoned me, that turned out to have a lot of things to offer that he never offered me or my mother. So I did it in the context of my own struggles to, to redeem those feelings and to end up feeling a sense of affirmation about my life and optimism. And it's a model, I hope, for other people that would do it in their own way. Everyone has their own particular life, their own individual lives. But the elements of the life review that I used in my life were, first of all, to meet and have conversations with all the people who were still alive, do it before it's too late, about what happened uh, to my parents, what happened to me early in life, to look up records. I looked up military records, old school records, historical documents, newspaper articles, all of which gave me more information to work with. And then work with your memories. I have a chapter in the book about memory. Memory is very unreliable, and so you have to really work on that in a systematic way to figure out what really did happen as best you can and to redeem the memories that, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that is still hanging around that pops up that makes you uncomfortable and find a way to 
become comfortable with your past and get the sense that, hey, I did the best I could and here I am now and I wouldn't be the person I was now if it weren't for things that happened to me in my past. Before you started hearing intimations about your father being alive uh, and running off, uh, you believe your father probably died in combat. Was that an, an ennobling notion, at least? I mean, did, did you see him as a hero? Well, when I was young, um, as I said, for the first 20 years of my life, I assumed that is what happened. And yes, it gave me a general sense. I, I didn't know anything about the guy. And it was very hard to talk to my mother about it, uh, because obviously she was keeping this the truth secret from me. So she shut down any conversations. So I could never get a full sense of this guy that was brave in service or somehow died for his country. But I did get a general sense, I think, of patriotism uh, from that sense that, you know, I had the sense that he had sacrificed for his country. He had gone over there uh, at the height of World War II. He volunteered for Army intelligence. It was a dangerous job. And I think I, I grew up, I, I know distinctly, I remember I grew up with a sense of, of feeling like a patriotic American who believed in sacrificing for my country. And I think that did come from that sense of my father being over there and then being missing in World War II. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad of that. I think it is, I, I think um, being patriotic is a virtue and uh, the idea that young people should have a sense of I'm devoted to my country. I'm willing to sacrifice for it. I think that's an important thing, and I I did get that, and it turned out to be true anyway. Even though he didn't die in the, in in the war, he did serve the country, and he served courageously. I found out from his military records about that. So I uh, that also gave me a sense that he was not a no-account scoundrel. He had a lot of admirable things about him, even though he did commit this one act of irresponsibility of not coming back to his family after the war. Why do you think your mother never remarried? I think that she was, first of all, very hurt by uh, this uh, traumatic, uh, uh, he, she it took her, it, it took four or five years after the war uh, where she was expecting him to come back. He was held over in Europe by an order from General Eisenhower to, to testify at a trial. And so there was always an expectation that he would come back eventually. And I think that was so painful for her and drawn out. And uh, she and, and her, and my father's, parents never forgave him for that, for not coming back. So she was so disappointed. I think that, uh, I think it, it, it impaired her relations with men for years later and nothing. And, and she was a very, fortunately for me, she was tough and she came back and she ended up having a career in fashion design during the 1950s where a lot of women were not out there in the career world. So part of that complex of her being tough, of her being bitter for my father not coming back, I think she just never managed to have a a, a good relationship uh, after that. Uh, and I did, as part of the book, I did a little life review for her. She was, uh, she passed away in 2006, but I did a little life review for her that ended up with her becoming the, uh, a, a, having the life that was a, a meaningful, purposeful life, uh, even though she had this very, very hard 
uh, marital uh, breakup uh, when she was a young woman. Yeah. You have a story in here about a letter uh, you received from someone named, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Pichitra. What, right. what, is, what is that episode? And, and, and also you have a regret about that letter. Yeah, big time. Uh, as I said, when we started our conversation, uh, some clues came up uh, during my midlife that I batted away because I just didn't want to hear about them. And I did not want to identify with this guy that had abandoned us or have anything to do with this negative role model I assumed my father was. And one of the clues I batted away was that in my midlife, maybe when I was 40-ish, I don't know, uh, I got a letter from um, one of his daughters uh, who had heard about me from her aunt. My father never talked about me, and he shut down any conversation about me, but uh, his younger sister did mention, and she'd heard about me because I was at that time a professor at Brown, and I had gotten some renown for some of the uh, some things I'd written, the book I'd written. So she was really curious, and got my address and sent me a letter. Uh, and I responded with a polite um, postcard saying, I don't know anything about my father and I don't really want to know. And I shut that conversation down and never returned to it and stuffed the letter in an old shoebox. And uh, I discovered the letter uh, after my daughter, uh, after I turned 60, opened up this whole treasure chest of information. And um, I looked at that and I said, you know, I was being really stupid. This was a huge mistake I made because I could have had this relationship. He was still alive then. And I could have started a relationship with my half sisters much earlier in my life. It would have, and I grew up as an only child with just one distant cousin, uh, almost no family. And I could have had a family. I could have, uh, for all those years, I could have met my cousins, my half-sisters, my aunt. I could have even met my father. It would have been a tough conversation, but I wish I had had a chance to meet him. So that was a mistake I made and something I had to come to terms with in my life review. And I write about that, about how you need to come to terms with mistakes you made. You can learn lessons from them. Uh, you can absolve yourself. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, if only I'd known then what I know now kind of thing. But uh, it was a mistake. I had to frankly admit that that was a huge mistake I made and one of the big regrets of my life that I had to come to terms with, that I never followed up on Pichitra's letter. You, you mentioned Viktor Frankl uh, as being an influence uh, somewhat on your thinking. And you talk, you know, meaning, you know, his, his the, the, the search for meaning and purpose. What is, do, do you make us, do you make a clear distinction between meaning and purpose? Yes. And, and his great book was translated as Man's Search to Meaning, which is yeah. not, not actually the title of the book in German. Uh, the title of the book is very uh, optimistic. It's Nevertheless, Say Yes to Life which is that even in disasters, you know, you can be grateful for the life you've had. But yes, the real word that he used in German was Zweck, which really means much closer to purpose. And the distinction is that meaning is great, and it's important that we do things that are meaningful, but a lot of things we do that are meaningful are just all about ourselves. 
you read a poem, you go to a movie, you hear a song you love, all of that's great. But a purpose has an additional component to it that's really important, which is you're dedicated to something beyond yourself. You're trying to accomplish something. There's a goal when you're being purposeful. You're trying to make a contribution to the world in some way. And that's why purpose has especially great benefits to the self because it's not all about you. Uh, it's about the world at large and it's transcendent in some way. There's some transcendent self. It transcends the self. And that's why our work at my center is focused on purpose and how important it is that people find purpose all through life, including late in life, that you keep your purpose going, you find new purposes, because purpose brings benefits both to the world, because purposeful people actually manage to accomplish things, and to yourself, because it uh, it gets you beyond yourself and your own petty day-to-day fears and things that you get absorbed by uh, in, uh, just, in just being uh, totally self-focused. You, you actually do a little work trying to reconstruct uh, your father's, quote, path to purpose that he took after the war. Uh, why? I mean, what, was this a big part uh, or, or is this the, is this a good framework for understanding why he he didn't come back? He went in a different thought, way. Yeah, I thought so because uh, when I traced my father's early life, uh, he was irresponsible in school. Uh, he in fact flunked out of the school that we both went to. Uh, he was lazy. He was um, he used to fake being sick uh, to get out of exams. So he had a character issue uh, going on early in his life, and that character issue came up big time when he decided not to come back and uh, and rejoin his the family he started, uh, namely me and my mother. Uh, but um, what I found in going over his military and foreign service records is that eventually, as he became an adult, he did develop a sense of what I write about in the book as moral maturity. He began to take responsibility for things and dedicate himself to things. And I give credit to his military service and his service with the War Department after the war, which was very difficult. He was over in Germany uh, working in these towns, uh, trying to sort out the dem- the people that could foster democracy as opposed to the Nazis or the communists. And a lot of it was very difficult work. And that challenge, and that he met that challenge, is what got him to the point where he did develop moral maturity. And it was all about purpose. That he he dedicated himself to the national purpose, our national purpose of being a great uh, free country, free society, a democracy, and and dedicating himself to having other parts of the world learn from that. Uh, he eventually went to Southeast Asia and worked in Thailand, where he got to know the king and queen. And it was all for the purpose of democracy. And I think um, I think it was that dedication to purpose that that helped him grow up and become a morally mature man, as opposed to that irresponsible schoolboy that he was early in his life. The book is A Round of Golf with My Father, The New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present. William Damon, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Great to be with you. 
And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930. 